Hi, and welcome back to CATF Unmuted. As always, I'm Trent Kugler, Production Manager for CATF, and I'm joined by our Public Relations Manager, Gabby Tokach. Thank you, Trent. Hi, everyone. We have a really great show for you today. Okay, well, I guess I mean they're all great shows, so I guess I should say we have another great show for you. Uh, today, we're going to hear from the one and only Kate McCluggage, who played Rebecca, and the one and only Valerie Lewis, who played Yvette in Chisa Hutchinson's Whitelisted. Kate also appeared in Babel, which was another one of our shows this summer. And honestly, I have no idea how she switched between those two completely different roles. And as Valerie will mention in her interview, she actually joined the festival company a little bit later in the season and didn't have as much time to rehearse as everybody else. I am always impressed when people can pull that off. And without a doubt, Valerie did pull it off. And a quick shout out to Nancy and Carrie Feldman, the play sponsors. Everyone at CATF is unbelievably grateful for your support of this production. Yes, thanks again to the Feldmans. And now, please enjoy this interview with Kate and Valerie, hosted by Hans Vogel, a CATF trustee and former radio host. Thank you so much for joining us as we talk about Whitelisted, a world premiere play at the Contemporary American Theater Festival by Chisa Hutchinson. I'm so excited today to be joined by Kate McCluggage and Valerie Lewis, two of the actors bringing this to life on stage. Thank you both for being here. Wonderful to have you in. Thanks to be here. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You know, CATF is back in person for the first time since the pandemic started. These shows have actually been sort of sitting in limbo for such a long time, and we're all so excited to see them on stage. Behind the scenes with the company in place, what's it been like to be back, to be live and, and doing theater again? <laughs> um, it's a bit of a trip. I, You know, one of the things I was concerned about coming here was if I would have enough stamina to do it again, because especially doing, because I'm doing two shows in rep, plus Rebecca is in most of the scenes in Whitelisted. So um, I uh, I really, I upped my workout regimen before I got here. And I really was like, I need to, uh, I just need to physically be ready. Because um, when we're in rehearsals, we're doing what we call eight out of tens, you know, t a 10 hour span of day, eight hours of work within that 10 hour span of day. And that's six days a week. And then once you go into performance, that's a that's another sort of level of energy. And so just making sure energetically um, that I was ready was crucial. The other thing that I think everybody is sort of feeling, no matter what you work in, uh, just being around people again for that long is like, do I know how to interact with other human beings anymore? <laughs> I wasn't totally sure. The jury's still out. I don't know. How am I doing? I think she's doing really, really well. I mean, so she's being really, really super modest. She's in two super shows and she's like got a huge lead in both. So okay. <laughs> um, for me, it's been really kind of a whirlwind and I guess a lot of my... <laughs> Ignorance to what the uh, what it would actually take plays uh, into my being here and being accepted in this company. I mean, it's been really fun. And to kind of piggyback on a little bit of what Kate said about not knowing if you can work around people again, because it's been a lot. We've been all kind of cloistered in our homes or wherever for the last two years. Um, the advantage to that is you're around kind of like-minded people. Mm. So it's kind of neat, unlike 
some work situations mm. where you're kind of cast into a, a bowl with folks you probably have nothing in common with. That's true. <laughs> with, with these persons, uh, you do. And you really get to make some great relationships and uh, see some great people do some great things. It seems like everyone's happy to be back. It's I been... think that's right. Yeah. I mean, who wants to just stay at home? Right. And... <laughs> It's, uh, there, there, there's apparently a group, but I, I, I that's true. I'm tired of Zoom. I, I'm just done with it. So yeah. I have, I have though, you know, Kate, to your point, some really, I've had some really awkward social interactions as I relearn how to get myself out there 100%. into society. Yeah. But, uh, you know, coming back here this summer has been, it's always a, a, a milestone for me when we hit July and it's hot and the trees are there and it's time for the festival again. So I know as a resident, as a, as a patron, it's just wonderful to be back in Shepherdstown and, and to see art come to life. Oh, that's cool. And you both get to be this, you know, part of this world premiere, brand new American theater with themes, I think, that seem to be more relevant by the day. Mm. I mean, who would have thought that when it was relevant when it was first announced for the 2020 season, it's even more relevant now, probably more relevant today than it was when the show premiered a month ago. I mean, just this is the newest American theater, the the most relevant topics. What's that been like for you as artists to be on the razor's edge? Well, um, so I'm from Baltimore City. Um, I just bought a house in a neighborhood that is undergoing some gentrification. Um, so one of the things that we've kind of made sure of is we interact with the residents, make sure that we're speaking to their needs, um, be they needs, um, to stay in their homes, uh, if they need help with repairing their homes, we put them in touch. So we're, we're really actively trying to make sure that they're not displaced and not displaced from people who are new to the area. Um, so it speaks, I don't know, just spot on to situations that I'm cast in currently. And I think um, people do need to do more about coming into neighborhoods that are already established and possibly in some disarray right? Um, just because you're doing well doesn't mean your neighbor is doing well. And when you're in those smaller, tighter-knit communities, um, everybody matters. And the conversations matter to make sure that you're moving in, not pushing out. Exactly, exactly. And Kate, what about you? I, you know, the, you play this this character who is sort of, you know, not doing it necessarily the right way. I don't want to give away too much about the show, but <laughs> uh, is it are, are you mindful of the fact that this is something that people are living right now and that these oh. issues are so – they're in the news every night? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think that um, one of the things that's been exciting about what's happening in theater and film and television, you know, we're having different conversations in the in the mainstream, um, these conversations about – gentrification and different types of white violence are, I think, have been going on obviously for decades and decades and decades. But I think that there's a different look now in mainstream cultural situations and art. And it's one of the things that I really dig about what she says doing is using this horror trope, using these different ways of exploring this topic that are not just academic or are not just um, activism or are not just, you know, there's, she's got such a great um, sort of impish sense of humor with how she looks at these things. And one of the things I've noticed in my career as I'm aging as a white woman as well, is that um, more and more I get to 
play women who are, they're fascinating to me, these women who uphold the very things that harm them and uphold them so fervently. And that's why I love what Chisa does with this play is that she's, she shows you another way that that harms all of us. Um, Again, I don't want to give away too much either. I'm trying to talk around the issue without saying exactly the issue. But yeah, I mean, you know, white women's violence is very specific. And I think it's fascinating. And we look a lot at what what is overt violence. But when you look at the uh, the other harms that are happening, there's just so much in those characters and there's so much that's complicated about those people that as an actor, it makes it really, really interesting to play. I'm going to give the listeners some context here because I was remiss in the beginning not to say that, that whitelisted is about this gentrification issue. Kate plays Rebecca Burgess who moves into a brownstone, renovates it, and then simultaneously refuses to embrace her neighbors. And uh, this is a horrifying, humorous play with some, I think, really important elements that Chisa Hutchinson wrote. Valerie, you play Yvette, who has a very intimate introduction with the audience. Uh, They get to know her up close and personal. And then she's present, and then she's right up front again. I want to talk about Yvette, and I want to get into uh, Rebecca as well. But Talk a little bit of, about yourselves first. Uh, I think it'd be important for people to know what you've done and, and what brings you here. Valerie, you uh, have actually done a cheese play before. You've worked with Miss Hutchinson. Talk about that and, and your work in Baltimore. Sure. So just by happenstance, I work with a small company in Baltimore called Rapid Lemon, and they just put up a two-hander a few um, months ago. Chisa's work, Dead and Breathing. Um, so kind of involved in it in that way. And and just coming to know her work, the intimacy of it. And um, it kind of reminded me of Mary Poppins because she does this thing where you're going to get this medicine, but I'm going to give you some sweetness <laughs> with it, right? So you can take it and you'll you'll ease it down. It's still going to be effective. Um, and you'll understand, you know, the issues at the end. So uh, really intriguing way that she does that to get you to think about things and dead and breathing. The issue is trans rights and um, the right to die. It's really heavy topics, <laughs> but the play is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> and it leaves you with that moment at the end where you're like, well, what did happen and what should I do and what can I do differently and how do I think about things? And that is genius. Yeah. So um, I kind of came to theater in an odd way, which is kind of how I come to my life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's how I approach everything. I, um, right. <clears throat> I started uh, in music. So um, I'm like a trained opera singer and that kind of thing. I've sung master classes with Leontine Price, with Jesse Norman, um, studied in France, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, didn't really do straight plays ever. Until by happenstance, locally, there was an audition for Dream Girls. I always wanted to do it. And I kind of got a decent role in that as Dina. And from there, I started doing some musicals, but I'm a horrible dancer. So <laughs> it was to my advantage to not do them anymore. And I uh, went to straight plays. And the challenge there for me has always been learning things without an anchor. And for me, the music is the anchor. 
Uh, so I can learn a whole script, learn a whole opera because you've got the music. You're like, okay, this thing happens for X measures and then you sing this part and so forth and so on. And the challenge for me with um, non-musical plays is there isn't any of that. Um, so it's a lot of rote learning and a lot of little tricks to kind of figure out, well, what is it exactly that I'm supposed to say? Because the words are important, right? Coming to this festival was kind of happenstance. I had done something in town with Rapid Lemon, just a reading, and Teresa happened to be there um, with Priyanka and uh, something happened here, and on the 4th of July, I got a phone call <laughs> <laughs> and was asked to do this. And um, I looked first to make sure it wasn't, you know, like a whole <laughs> <laughs> line after line, you know, to see how much there was. I was like, okay, I think I can kind of handle that in the time that I was given. And next thing you know, on the 8th, here I was. But it's yeah. a fun role. Have you enjoyed it? It is fun, but it's a little heavy um, <laughs> because there's something that happens at first that I don't want to talk about that is very organic. Mm -hmm. And the reaction that you get isn't contained or controlled. So it's a little bit dangerous and a little bit manipulative, but it's kind of the people that I do get to interact with in that way, I think, feel something, you know, that they can take with them while they watch the play and definitely as certain things are revealed throughout. So again, it's that little bit of Chisa genius that she kind of weaves in there. A little bit of, a bit of that Valerie genius too, to have to react <laughs> to the different responses that you get from those interactions. It's it's yeah. like if they move the, pro the, the set around every night, you'd have to go, wait a minute, I got to <laughs> step exactly over this right. this time and I didn't last time. It's like an actor's version of jumping off a cliff, what you do. It really is. <laughs> it really wild. is. It's wild. It's wild. Kate, you play Rebecca Burgess. You have uh, stage and screen credits, shows like 30 Rock and Turn. Uh, you've also got a movie coming out in September, which is exciting. Well, I thought it was going to be in September. Now it's going to be April, but that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, it's an adaptation of a Judy Bloom book. Which is so fun. I know, I know. They're finally doing Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. I think it's going to be so good. I think it's going to be so good. Yeah. It's an exciting thing to have your work coming out like that and, yeah. and to be making art in person here. It's it's like a lot of irons in the fire and a lot to put on, totally. put out there to your fans. It's also cool because, I mean, the different, the main difference between like on screen stuff and on stage stuff is the control aspect. I don't control what comes out. Like I thought it was coming out in September. Now it's coming out in April. I don't even know what takes of mine are in it. No. I don't know what's happening, you know? So that's the on screen stuff is uh, you just do your best work and then you trust that there's great people behind it, which um, in the case of the Margaret movie, there really are. It's a terrific, terrific group. So anyway, but yeah, it's, it's nice to be working on something where I get to sort of tweak each moment a little bit on stage. That's my favorite part. I mean, you were talking about finding the music of yeah. a piece. When you're finding the music of, especially a comedy, mm. it really is. I mean, just the other day, Carlo Alban, who plays Diego in the show, he and I were trying to figure out there's this one part that we can't seem to crack the laugh on. We get a little titter sometimes, but like, we're like, all right, how do we get that? And it's timing. I mean, mm -hmm. comedy is mathematics, so much smarter people than I have oh talked about it. But <laughs> Carol Burnett. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. But trying to find the like, okay, so maybe if I come right in on this and then we hold just a little longer here, maybe we'll be able to get the laugh out there. So 
that's fun for me every it's, night working on it's living and breathing mm-hmm. literally yeah mm-hmm. every night is a different show and to get to experiment and try it and one audience loves it and the next audience is quiet what, that's what right. did we do wrong nothing mm-hmm. and also maybe still loves it. a different group of people right yeah. and performing for a group of people who are all wearing masks is a slightly different thing i mean i, I even me and i'm a pretty generous vocal audience member. Um, I like to hoop and holler and laugh and make all kinds of noise. But when you're wearing a mask, you're literally kind of muzzled. So I do think that audiences tend to be a little quieter these days, even if they're totally with it and enjoying it. I'm blessed with bushy eyebrows so I can emote, <laughs> as, uh, you know, e- even masked. Kate, talk quickly, because uh, I want to make sure we give it attention as well. When did you know that you were going to be a professional actor? What what brought you to the stage in the first place oh or to the screen? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I mean, I was blessed with a dramatic mother. <laughs> and it is a blessing, I will say. It is a blessing. <laughs> a kid doesn't think so. Uh, you appreciate it later wait. in life. <laughs> just wait. Just wait. Because um, I don't know that I appreciated it either. Um, yeah. I mean, she's also an actor and a director and a writer and took me to all all kinds of shows and dance and music. And I just was exposed to a lot of performing arts when I was a kid. So I kind of don't really remember a time that I didn't want to do it. I'm also really blessed. I have parents who just thought it was the best idea in the world that this is what I wanted to do. Um, And of course, they have their concerns and their worries about my stability and my financial, (laughs) (laughs) you know, situation. And it's a lot of rejection and it's a lot of that. But I highly recommend it to anybody. (laughs) It's a great way to practice resilience. And, you know, none of us have guarantees in life and actors are just reminded of that more often. When you when we first meet Rebecca, she's in a, a specific place and then sort of her arc over the show, she's in a very different place, I feel like, at, mm-hmm. at the end of it. As an actor, how do you take her on that journey night after night and make it authentic uh, so that everyone out there has the feels? Yeah. I mean, I think Rebecca's, her journey is about opening her eyes and opening her heart she's stuck in a very small world, which is interesting. She makes dollhouses. Mm -hmm. She's stuck in a very small world and thinks she has control over that world. And the gift that she's given or the punishment that she's given, (laughs) depending on how you look at it, is that she literally gets to be in somebody else's shoes. So... The way I think, I mean, this is gets into the like processy stuff, the sort of dorky processy stuff. But the way I think about acting, um, it's I know it's not me going through it, right? Uh, that would not be good for my psyche mm-hmm. if I thought it was me going through anything that I do. But the way I think about it is an actor is kind of like the Lorax and the character is kind of like the tree. So the tree can't speak for themselves until the actor is embodying them and talking for them and all the rest of it. So it's kind of like, I'm there to advocate for this person. I'm there to give this character life and breath and thoughts and experiences and emotions and reactions and, you know, whatever else, mistakes. And then what I do as an actor is I just sort of open myself up to the empathy for that person. So which is exactly what Rebecca goes through. It's kind of like she gets to she gets a masterclass in acting. She gets to really actually 
think about, feel, experience what it would be like to be somebody else. And it's really just exercising empathy. The best gift that I have is we have we have three different lovely little girls oh my God. who play a character who comes in towards the end. And looking at their faces and their little – there's this one moment I was on stage and I just – I looked at – this little girl had – she had these little girl bracelets on. And I just looked at her <laughs> teeny little wrist with these little girl bracelets on and it just broke my heart looking at all of that little tenderness mm-hmm. and all of that sweetness. And I think that that's really the process of acting in general, but certainly for this character is just really – really opening yourself up to what's right in front of you. Sometimes I walk away from plays at the CATF and I'm sort of emotionally drained. I I, have immense respect for the talent who goes out there and does that every night because you're actually physically and emotionally doing it over and over again. And and as much sugar as Chisa puts into this to help the medicine (laughs) go down, there's some heavy stuff in this show Mm -hmm. and some topics that will make you pause and think, uh, whether you realize she's talking about you or not, that, that's one of the things I like is that, you know, it, it's a way of saying, did you know that this is a problem and you might be part of the problem that's and you're right. sitting there watching it and then you realize slowly, here's who I can identify with. And, and and this is sort of a neat one because it plays out right on stage. I'm not giving anything away. I don't think, you know, they talk about this being sort of a haunting humorous show. Um, Rebecca and Ebenezer Scrooge sort of have, <laughs> have some commonality here. Uh, do, do you, has this been a fun role for you, despite some of the the seriousness of it? That shift from comedy oh, to serious. For sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And and I mean, I think the thing, Chisa and I have had conversations about this actually. That I think one of the things too is it's interesting because it's a large role, and she goes through a lot emotionally. But I always do have I bristle a little bit sometimes when when the questions come up about like how hard is it to go through that because like I'm a white lady who plays pretend for a living I'm really okay you know <laughs> pretty privileged here I'm good yeah. <laughs> like I'm all good um, and yes there are things that I have to do to protect my voice and my body and blah 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 to be able to serve the project and all of that but. Um, but it's service and it's a privilege to serve, you know. It's um, the stories that we bring on stage are about real people, even if they're not exactly mm-hmm. about real people. And those people have to go through some shit. I'm all good. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, we, both of you, your characters play play a purpose if, if – Chisa Hutchinson is telling a story and holding up a mirror to some of us and and trying to start these conversations. Uh, Rebecca and Yvette are, are, are critical to that. If they're tools to telling that story, you both have to to be the the drill and, and drill the hole. Um, so yeah, and and I, I get that completely. You say it, it's all good. It's not me, but you you bring the emotion to the stage. You're both incredibly talented people, and and you've been able to do this night after night. Um, you know, Yvette is a, uh, I, I don't know if it's uh, mischievous. It, it seems, it seems there's a little bit of joy in some of the things that she does. You know, that's, that's interesting. Cause I was thinking about it recently in a different way. Um, why would she even care to traumatize you? 
the difference was it the opposite of of love is not hate it's indifference mm-hmm. so she should be indifferent toward you but she takes the time to do this thing mm-hmm. and that's very um intentional and in order to to do that in that intentional way she has a feeling about Rebecca, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, is it just revenge? Revenge is kind of, you know, vacant. There would be no point if mm-hmm. it were just revenge. She really, really wants to leave you with something and change you forever. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a lot heavier than just, ha ha, look what I did to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not petty. It's not a petty it's haunting. N- no, it's not. <laughs> there is real... <laughs> Uh, substance there. She wants she's she, opening some cupboards. That's right. right. Look at this. Aren't you scared? <laughs> she just she really wants to give her the full experience, and um, that's heavy to me. I mean, I just think of it that way. Like, oh my god, why would you even put that much time? You, don't you have better things to do over there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, but but you know, and, and to that point, I think a lot of us have those conversations every day when we're reading the news or we're on social media, and we sort of go, "Don't I have anything better to do than to worry about this person who, you know, it 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 it, it helps me at least to relate even more to think th- these can be these can be things I take away from these shows. Yeah, that that you all put on the stage for us with the CATF. Uh, it's exciting that you get to do different shows. Kate, you talked about that some. Is it? And I don't want to say hard as you say things are overall <laughs> stuff's good, but in terms of acting, does it stretch you to have to, to be one person one night and another person another night, or even a matinee and an evening show switch back and forth? Yes, I would say yes, it does. Um, and the, one of them, I mean, this is gets into the technical stuff, but one of the things is my two characters live in very different places in my vocal range. Mm. Um, Re- Rebecca is. Like, I don't know, like, you may have heard her before, like, you know. Good old vocal fry. Yeah, there's just, like, a little bit of vocal fry, like, what, whatever. Um, and that kind of sound in a large space on stage is, uh, it's tricky. I don't know why I chose to do it, but I did. <laughs> so trying to figure out how to keep that going and then to move over to the Marinoff and to go into Babel and... That character lives more in how I normally talk, more in my normal vocal range and a little less squeakiness. And so sometimes going back and forth, you know, I just have to make sure sort of vocally that I'm ready and also energetically. Like, I mean, both of them, this is a note I give to myself almost all the time is I always like soften, 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 Kate. Like, go ahead. Like, you don't have to, you know, when you're carrying a show, sometimes you can really armor up to like go out there, but no one wants to see somebody all armored up. They want to see our ooey gooey center. Mm -hmm. So, um, so even when a character is really powerful or has a lot of agency or whatever, you want to make sure that you give the audience glimpses into that ooey gooey center in a real way, not in a fake way. And that means you gotta, you gotta stay loose. You gotta stay open. You gotta be willing to be seen, mm-hmm. um, and really looked at, and including the ugly parts. Yep, yeah, including the ugly parts. Yep. So it, uh, it, you know, it's all somewhere in us. All these different aspects you have to tap into that because the authenticity, if it's not there, it, it does does come across. You're right. I think that's a, a big part of the ex- the immersive experience of of live theater and that audience interaction. Different mm-hmm. group of people every night. Yep different people every day. Um, it, it, it is a lot of work and it, and I think you're, um, tackling some, some tough subjects. So I appreciate you doing that and, and being willing to be here. 
What's the process like to get to CATF? Uh, Valerie, obviously you had a different journey than most, but Kate, this is your first time here at yep. the festival. So did did Chisa Hutchison call you up and say, I got a show for you, or do you have an agent? How, what, what's the process? Give us some behind the scenes. Yeah. So well, so my process here, I, I, I come following Chisa. So I was introduced to Chisa by a terrific director named Jade King Carroll, and she hooked me up with Chisa for the first workshop of Whitelisted, which was five, six years ago. What is time anymore since the pandemic? I don't know. Something like that. In and the before time. In the right? in the in the extreme exactly before time. That's all it the before um, times. Before BC, before COVID. Um so yeah, so we were doing a workshop at New Dramatist, which was a two-week workshop. I think when I came in, Carlo was also in that workshop. It was the two of us, and Chisa and Jade was directing it, and we had some other actors, and Jade was like, yeah, I have a couple of these scenes, and I don't know exactly where this play is going, but I have this idea, and I by the end of the two weeks, she had a full first draft of this play. Um, and then Carlo and I both have done several workshops of this play, and then when it was coming here... Chisa called us and said, will you, will you please come? <laughs> so that was, and then I auditioned uh, because Ed hadn't met me before. Uh, and this was in 2020. So I auditioned and I also, part of it was like, you know, what's the second show you're going to do? So I auditioned for a couple of the other plays that are here in the festival. And uh, I remember after my first audition, they were like, great. So we're definitely going to bring you back because Chisa wants you for this show. So we'll bring you back in to just work on what's the second project. And that was like early March 2020. <laughs> and I remember having a conversation with my partner and he was like, don't go to a call. Don't get on a train and go to a callback right now. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know that it's going to be that bad. I feel like it'll be fine. And he was like, tell them you'll make a tape. Get out of the city. <laughs> Uh, and I did. I listened to him and I said, I'll make a tape. And then I guess, anyway, oh, no. the offer came through in 2020. So then it's been a couple of years of just uh, <laughs> waiting to see what was going to happen when the festival came back. Mm -hmm. If they were going to do the same plays, I, that was always sort of the idea. Mm -hmm. But then obviously with Ed retiring and Peggy taking over, it was sort of like, well, see, I guess. Who knows? Is it significant to folks in your industry that that has been a, a you know, promise that was kept, a, a commitment to making this art and bringing it to life? Yeah. I know a few companies that have been able to deliver on their seasons. A lot of them scrapped them and started over. I mean, mm -hmm. especially if you're a new play festival, it's sort of extraordinary that all of these plays are still talking to our culture because I feel like sometimes, you know, the it's a fast passes. turnover. Yeah. Right, like a play about Blackberry. It's just not interesting. In it, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's it's, right. It, it's sort of dated. <laughs> that's right, exactly. Uh, but but most of these topics are more relevant now than when Ed picked them. I mean, that's what's so amazing to me about this slate of shows especially because that went through my head when they announced it and said, well, we're going to keep them until next year. I'm like, but it's contemporary. we got to be mm -hmm. contemporary. It's like, yeah. oh, we had no idea where, where we were going to go <laughs> and how, how important this would be. Yeah. And, and I say important, you know, sort of your, to your point, Kate, you're making – shows people come and pay to watch them and it's it, it's a luxury to be able to spend time mm -hmm. doing that but i think storytelling is so ingrained in human culture that absolutely this is and this is such a an interactive way to do that versus watching television or seeing a movie i mean at least in a movie we're with a group of people but there's no back and forth it is a completely receptive experience this 
you play off of each other. Mm-hmm. And I think especially mm-hmm. when we talk about how your vet enters, that, that that's critical to this whole thing is, is people <laughs> being immersed and being part of this show. Yeah. And, and I just want to take a moment to, to say thank you to the audience, right? This mm-hmm. is probably one of the most informed group of theater goers that I've ever encountered. They're not just here to see us. They're here to see like five other offerings. That's quite dedication. Mm -hmm. And just meandering through the town, you happen into a coffee shop or what have you, there are table discussions happening right in that moment about what they've just seen and how they felt about it. And so it's, they're very informed, they're very intelligent. Um, And they really want to be here. So that's That's really nice. And it's not nothing to go to the theater right now. I mean, it's still... Depending kind of on where you're coming from, it's mm-hmm. still kind of dangerous. Yeah. It's a risk. It's uncomfortable. You're wearing a mask the mm-hmm. whole time. There's all these checks beforehand. It's this, that, and the other thing. I mean, I'm a big theater nerd. Huge. I love going to the theater. And it's just, it's more. It's more work now to do it. Yeah. So it's really, it's cool that people are still showing up. Yeah. Do you yeah. get recognized in town? Has that happened at all this summer? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think probably more so me because of my hair. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's funny. Is but, that is that cool? Is that something that happens to you in you know everyday life outside of here? Or is that like a Shepherdstown thing? No, that's definitely yeah. Being a Shepherdstown celebrity for a mm-hmm. couple of months <laughs> gives you a taste. Kind of yeah, specific experience. So you'd both come back again. This is uh, something that that was worthwhile enough as as artists to to repeat. I would say yes. Um, also, I have a full time day job. <laughs> So my employer was very generous. And again, it's not that far for me. It's like 90 minutes, so it's not a big of a deal. And um, so I would say yes. Yeah. I mean, I was – I'm glad to be here serving Chisa and serving Jackie Goldfinger who wrote Babel. And um, it's really special. And this company is really special. I mean, truly a a terrific group of directors and designers and actors Mm -hmm. and playwrights. I mean, it's like – it's top notch. It's it really, really is. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a nurturing environment? Like, you know, I, I I go to conferences now and again to be around other people who do what I do and you come back and you're energized. Mm-hmm. It, is that a similar experience for you, even though you're working to be living and interacting with other folks and getting to watch their process and hone their craft? Do you grow as artists doing that? Yes. Yes, you do. You know, I mean, it's tricky. I'm, you know, I, it's a thing that I've been thinking about a lot because I'm at a point in my life where I'm like, do I really want to leave my home for two, three months at a time mm-hmm. and uh, go live in a college dorm? Yeah, that's a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> well, I, you look I... at real estate around Shepherdstown. <laughs> and just move on in. <laughs> yeah, that um, was a lot. Like, oh. So, you know, I mean, it. it's always a, I mean, for me, it's like you always have to weigh what is the project? Who are the people I'm working with? Mm-hmm. How much am I being paid? If I've got the one ROI, of those things, return on investment. Yeah, right, exactly. exactly. Then, then it's you know, um, but it, it is nice being in a you know it feels sort of summer campy. It does, which is yeah. sort of fun yeah. in a way. Yeah, yeah. I, I would I would have to say I I did not have the luxury of living on campus for <laughs> two months. So kudos to you. You're on a day that. student. Yes, exactly. That's I'm right. a commuter. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I do love being around like-minded individuals. It's just so yeah. rewarding. And it's a luxury that I don't get to have that often because I do have a day job. Right. And um, just kind of it, 
it's energizing in that way. So for me, the the return was was quite good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's something tricky too. I mean, you have a family, yeah. and I know for folks in the company that have a family, that's really tough. That's, that's a big ask to say leave your kids for two months and. Go share a bathroom with a stranger. Even though it wasn't a big deal for my kid, I think they were fine with it. <laughs> that's what they say. That's yeah. what they say. When I'm away, that means extra screen time. That's, that's sort of. Well, uh, Kate, Valerie, I, I so appreciate your time and your presence here in Shepherdstown, you sharing your your talents with us at CATF. I do hope you'll be able to come back again. And and what what are your next projects where people might be able to see April? Cross April, fingers. cross yeah. fingers. Yeah. yeah, let's see. Everybody send their all their good thoughts to Lionsgate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be cool. And Val, are you doing any shows in Baltimore? Um, not for a minute. I am finishing a, a an eighteen year project. My child is going to college. Yeah, and so um, he'll be a freshman at Temple University. Wow. So I'll be crying some tears in August, <laughs> <laughs> and becoming more acquainted with the dog. Apparently. Ah. <laughs> uh, but for a time I, I think i'm just gonna kind of sit down and um work through that until something really interesting pops up oh there you go you can that's the nice thing about the day job is you can be selective <laughs> about your opportunities i guess yeah that's true kate mcluggage valerie lewis thank you so so much for being here and for talking with us about this amazing play by chisa hutchinson thank you thank you for having us Trent, I'm not sure how many people caught it, but Valerie was actually in character before the show, like outside of the entrances to the theater, asking patrons for money so she could get her daughter's medication. Uh, And she got a very large range of feedback from the audience members. Uh, Some people came up to the front of house staff to express concern to see if she was okay. Some people wanted her to be removed from the theater. Some people totally ignored her, wrote her off. And a few actually did give her money. And the money that she collected was donated to a local nonprofit. Yeah, it was a really cool, immersive addition to the play that Chisa put in. And if you haven't listened to our conversation with Chisa Hutchinson, the playwright of Whitelisted, Please check that episode out next, and if you've already hit that one up, check out another one of the episodes in our 2022 season recap. I'd suggest the Fifth Domain series, since that show repped with the whitelisted in the Frank Center. And as always, shout out to the West Virginia Humanities Council for making this podcast possible. And thank you to all of the work and the dedication of the council's staff members, Eric, Michael, Victoria, Aaron, Trisha, Andy, Kyle, and Jenny. Thank you all so much. Get your 2023 Think Ahead passes to be the first to select your performances for the upcoming season. You can do that at catf.org slash thinkahead. And while you're there, explore the rest of our website. catf.org. Follow us on Facebook. C-A-T-F at S-U. Or connect with us on YouTube and Instagram. At Think Theater. And remember, theater is with an E-R. And if you're able to, please, please rate the podcast with five stars. I know we've said it before, but it really does help other people discover CATF and the Unmuted podcast. Thanks again for listening. And remember, if it's not a new play, it's not CATF. <laughs>